Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, we've done it. It is Thursday of week one of the 2021 NFL season. I'm excited we're here. Uh, I feel like I'm not ready uh, that we're here, uh, but we do have football tonight. So uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, it's very much like the uh, Jesse Spano Saved by the Bill episode with the caffeine pills. Uh, you know, we, we are very excited. We're so scared too, at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it is an exciting time. You'll have actual games that mean something back. Uh, it's going to be the, the largest NFL season ever. Uh, there's a lot of fun week one games that we're going to cover. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this season. I'm excited to see what's just going to be new, right? You can recalibrate on to what is going to be the 2021 trends and what teams are going to do. How does, you know, do we kind of recoil from last year kind of being such a unique you know season with no home field really for any teams uh and the the home field advantage was so will the nfl call holding penalties here who knows uh so a lot, a lot of things in the air that i'm excited to see happen uh to kind of like i said readjust and, and give us new data and new kind of uh information that can kind of you know supersede our priors what we think about some of these teams and and some of these uh, situations this year yeah, new numbers. I'm I'm very excited to go into the the various places I pull numbers and and see new things rather than what I've been staring at for the past like four months trying to find content in numbers that I've I've been looking at for the months at a time. Yeah, but as we you know, head into football, it's like I've watched football all season, continued to watch football all off season, and then somehow like week one comes and I'm like anxious whether I've forgotten how to watch football. Uh, or not if, if I'm going to be doing this correctly as we head in here but uh, what's your kind of setup on Sundays what, what do you do uh, on a typical Sunday all right so uh, it has changed a bit over the years now it is uh, usually red zone on the big tv um, I have uh, bring a computer monitor onto uh, the uh, coffee table and that usually has a uh, Sunday ticket in some way. So I usually have about four games that I'm like slightly paying attention to. Then I'll usually have another game on the iPad. So I'm picking which game I'm, I'm really paying attention to. And then, you know, after everything ends, I <laughs> watch it all again in condensed. So I'm not like super, super focused on like, I know like watching eight games at a time, you're, you're barely watching any of them. Uh, so that's usually kind of my setup trying to you know pay attention and get some things that i know i can go back to later and that's usually how uh, how my sunday afternoons are it's just the screens all over the place uh what, what's your setup usually yeah i don't have quite as uh the, the rig like warren does in the screening room that, he that has, no one but... has the rig that <laughs> warren does that is a that is a one of one yeah uh but we do we pull all the uh I'll pull all the tvs into one central location with all the boxes uh you know one day direct tv won't have the monopoly that they hold over us uh for the nfl ticket uh and then you know we have a couple monitors that we flip around for games we used to go to the sports bar you know being you know a more of a fantasy guy and i've kind of been really trained to understand like where the flow of games is are like because being like watching your fantasy guys on like eight different screens simultaneously it's all it takes like 20 minutes like week one to kind of recalibrate but like it's 
it's I've been trained to do it for so long. I'm actually not a big red zone guy because I love like the the flow of the game. I feel like red zone, you miss the flow of the game a little bit. Right. Uh, so I'm not like a huge red zone guy. I totally understand why it's so popular though. But I love seeing like the 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 eight yard pass on first and ten at your own twenty. Just like you know, seeing what how teams move and, and get the ball downfield or how they got there, how they got before they ended up on the red zone. Uh, but yeah, uh, we have a couple buddies over. Uh, so I'm excited to see them. I haven't got to see them in a, in a long time. So we'll get to watch some games on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's nice. Uh, football on Sundays is a, is a very isolating uh, experience for, <laughs> for me. Yeah, when I worked uh, at NBC and I had to cover the games, it was, it was a really, you know, troubling time here. I said, Ooh, I don't like this that much. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I just, I don't even know how first and 10 is getting put together this year with a game pass, whatever it is right now, a video player that doesn't really work plays that aren't indexed. So that's where I'm, I'm going here trying to figure out how I'm even writing my column on Sunday night. Like, I don't know how my work is getting done. Um, so, but enough about us, let's, you know, talk about the actual football. Let's hit Thursday night real quickly, because we don't know when you're going to be listening to this, whether you, uh, the listener has been able to get to this before uh, Thursday kicks off, but Dallas and Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, DraftKings, eight and a half point favorite uh, at home. I mean, Tampa Bay brought everyone back, which is something that you know, Super Bowl contenders usually uh, are not able to do. They added uh, to, and like the pieces they added are good, like Joe Tryon for every report and, you know, preseason staff has looked pretty good on that defensive line. So they've somehow gotten potentially better. And, you know, Dallas is, is an interesting case here with, you know, this team that we all expected a good offense from last year. They had that for a little bit with in the games that Dak Prescott was healthy. And then, you know, you can only do so much when, you know, Ben DiNucci is your starting quarterback, uh, which <laughs> happened in Dallas. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see where, you know, these teams uh, stack up. So uh, what are you looking for tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, this is, a game that's going to feature two good offenses. So we got a lot of good fantasy players. I'm excited, but uh, yeah, I mean, home teams on Thursday night uh, openers have been dominant. You know, obviously the it's since it transitioned and it's been the the Super Bowl champ usually hosts the Thursday night game. I mean, they're they're 15 and three straight up uh, and they are 11, three and four against the spread. And one of those losses against the spread and straight up was the 2019 bears. The one year they didn't do the super bowl champions. It was like a hundredth anniversary where they did Packers bears because the longest rivalry. So like that one's kind of like an asterisk on it too. So like it's really 15 and two straight up. Uh, the Buccaneers have so many advantages in this game. You know, when you look at it kind of on paper, I mean, Tom Brady should shred in this game. He should have no resistance. Dan Quinn, you know, kind of taking over for, uh, you know, taking over this Dallas defense. I mean, I, I, it's, they just didn't really add enough personnel, I think, to really kind of get us to really move the needle. But will they be better than what they were last year when they were basically, you know, a bottom eight defense and just about every passing metric? Uh, yeah, they can be better, but still be a very subpar unit and, and be an extreme mismatch against the team that has a really good offensive line and the kind of weaponry the Patriots are that they call them those Patriots. Jeez, the Buccaneers have. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a really tough draw for the Cowboys. Obviously, you get Dak coming off the injury and he didn't really play a lot in the preseason which isn't a huge concern but I just don't see a lot of objective you know kind of wins across the board here for Dallas yeah it's it's really hard to match up against you know what Tampa Bay is doing on on both sides of the ball really I think one of the real interesting things I'm going to want to see just from Tampa Bay not just you know 
tonight, but through the first part of the season is, you know, whether their like second half of the season just completely carries over. Like, and if that's the case, like, it, you know, they started slow a, a little bit. They were trying to figure out what the strengths of the offense were, what everyone was going to be comfortable with. And then the second half of the season, they kind of figured it out. They figured out what Brady was, what, what he wanted to do, what the receivers were going to be good at in that offense. And then we saw it that they started airing it out. They threw the ball down the field more. And that's when, you know, this Buccaneers offense became what it was last year. If they're starting with that game plan in week one, you know, that's going to be pretty dangerous, you know, through the you know, second half of last season, only the Steelers, <laughs> threw the ball uh, down the field more often, which uh, is very funny. And those were uh, very different results when they did that. <laughs> uh, the the success rates there were about a you know ten percentage points different for the. Yeah, Buccaneers. remember there wasn't a lot of continuity to start the year because Evans was the guy. He he was playing hurt, but Godwin missed time. They yet to have Antonio Brown. They were rotating a lot of guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller were getting reps uh, in that front half of the year too. Yeah. And then, you know, once everything, you know, they, they weren't always healthy, but was something where, you know, they, they knew where their best players were. And, and right now we, we don't know what the status of Chris Godwin is as we, uh, as we record on you know Thursday morning. So we'll see, but still they're a team. You don't want to say they can, you know, take a loss at wide receiver, but they can kind of take a loss at wide receiver. Cause you still have Mike Evans. You still have, you know, Antonio Brown, you still have, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, the the depth of this team is crazy. Then you look at the other side of the ball. Dallas's the offensive line is is going to be potentially weakened without uh, Zach Martin. We don't that was a uh, kind of a shaky unit last year already and they had some losses there. Uh, and then when you look at what Tampa Bay is rolling out uh, across that defensive line, it, it's insane when you add a try on to the Barrett's and the Pierre Pauls and you know a, a full healthy season from uh, Vita Vea, Sue coming back. It's just like you could just name everyone on on that Tampa Bay defense, and and it's going to be insane. And they have the corners that are going to be able to match up with you know Dallas's wide receivers, as good as you know Dallas going three deep at wide receiver is. Uh, when you have guys like you know Carlton Davis and, and Jamal Dean, um, you know that's it, just. <laughs> Tampa is just good everywhere, uh, which is insane. So I think it's going to be, you know, real interesting to see just, you know, whether they just jump right back in, into the swing of things uh, this early in the season, because I think that's going to be, you know, really potentially scary for the rest of the NFL, if that's the case. Well, head on. And I think this is, a, I think, fun slate of games on on Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's not a lot of, you know, super mismatches which which i think is fun um you know i was looking at you know who to you know play in a survivor pool and there's not like the the real uh you know it's there's not a, a lot of games that are you know completely stand out where, where we feel like there's there should be like one blowout so i think there's there's a lot of real interesting games here i think Let's just start, I think, with the most interesting game uh, on Sunday is going to be one of the late afternoon games, the, the Chiefs and the Browns. Like, these right. are two teams we're expecting to be on top of the AFC. You know, the Chiefs have been there. The Browns were a team that kind of started to look like they could get there at the end of last season. A lot of people are expecting that to uh, improve uh, again. So uh, when we look at uh, Chiefs-Browns, uh, what what are you looking for in that game? 
Yeah, we've got the, you know, Andy Reid, you know, coming off of a long rest game plan narrative. I mean, the Chiefs are a league best seven and one in season openers under him, six and two against the spread. So we've got that kind of in play. But I'm real curious. It's something we talk about a lot. I'm, I'm curious, one, how we see teams defend the Chiefs this year and how, you know, that, that is yep. adjusted. Uh, you know, they, they faced obviously the most two high safeties in the NFL last year. And um, they really adjusted during the course of season one. It made an already great player like Travis Kelsey great. We talked about this basically all last season. And then they also, you know, got really smart and did different things with Tyree Kill from the front half of the year to the back half of the year, where they were able to lower his A dot, get him in the slot more, use him more as a yards after the catch guy instead of just a vertical lid popper as teams were trying to just defend the high, the deep pass. The other element too that's in play is if teams want to play a bunch of two high safety against them this year, is the offensive line is improved. And I think we'll them try to run the football more like they yes. did at the start of last year and then it kind of got away from the, the offensive line injuries and Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets injured and they kind of they lose a little bit of rushing momentum as the season went on but the Browns are a complete wild card and you've wrote about their defense this offseason so you can kind of speak on this a little better but what the Browns did defensively last year might not necessarily be a 1v1 of what we see them come out and do this year because of all the different personnel changes that they had and what they were forced to kind of band-aid and patch through uh, a year ago you know you add Anthony Walker a, a solid coverage linebacker you get John Johnson you had Troy Hill you had Jadavian Clowney um, you get Andrew Billings back a, a guy who can stop the run you know in the middle of the defense so uh, this Browns defense is going to be completely different so I don't think we can just 1v1 say look at how these teams played in the postseason and say the Browns are going to try to do what worked that game uh, because they've got a lot of different personnel to kind of throw some different things at the Chiefs to, to start the season. Yeah, it's one of those things where it it's going to be, you know, one of those just super interesting matchups to see. And we're going to, you know, see some things that we're looking for uh, for trends in the season. Kind of like you said, it's one of those things we're, we're going to see early. How are these teams deciding to defend the chiefs this year. Cause you know, we said last year, it started with the first game yeah, the last opener. year, the opener with, with Houston, they completely sold out uh, too high. And I like wrote an article that the day after about like, we saw the like most unique Patrick's Mahomes game we'd ever seen uh, to that point where he threw the ball, the shortest he's ever thrown it and got rid of the ball as fast as he's had ever done it. Um, And I think we saw that a couple times uh, last year and that that started week one. And I think the the Browns are going to be one of these teams. I don't think we're going to completely see, you know, a a Brandon Staley type defense from them, but Joe Woods came from the, uh, you know, Robert Sala, uh, in San Francisco. So uh, there's, uh, there was a lot of quarters there and the, the Browns, you know, one of those teams where they did good stuff. They played more quarters than any team in the league last year. They kind of had to, because, you know, they didn't have right. good safety play. They had to, you know, rely on zone a little bit, use a little bit of that, you know, match coverage just to, you know, get whatever their secondary could get out of it. But now they have such a better secondary. There's still some health questions there, but just having, you know, John Johnson on the field is a significant upgrade over anything they had last year. You're getting another year of development from Denzel Ward, who's been, you know, one of the better corners. I think he can play, you know, a little more man with, you know, that better coverage uh, behind him um, and better coverage in other parts of the secondary. Uh, and when you look at what they were doing, you know, they were they were really good on, or they were at least decent on early downs last year. They were 13th in positive play rate against the pass. They were, you know, eighth in limiting big plays. But then when you go to third down, they were 21st in limiting big plays. So, you know, 
know, when you look at what they can do and man up a little more on, on third downs this year, I think that'll, you know, be part of what can take that defense, you know, to the next level. And then you look at the other side of uh, the ball uh, is really where uh, I'm interested to see how the Browns are going to you know, build off of what they did last year. They were, you know, about a, a top 10 offense uh, last year, and they're, they're just doing things really well that, you know, are repeatable. They're not putting a lot of stress on Baker Mayfield. I think we saw early in the season, they were, they were still trying to figure out oh, what they could do, what the best things for Mayfield uh, would be. And then toward the, you know, the second half of the season, they, they figured out their rhythm uh, using a, a lot of the play action a lot of the boots, getting Mayfield on the move so he didn't have to necessarily stay in the pocket. The, this Stefanski bootleg left, which is, you know, my, my favorite, you know, just schematic wrinkle that he does. Or you beat the quarterback to the left and they're using that to throw down the field. Um, no player had, had a higher A dot on bootlegs to the left uh, than Baker Mayfield last year. And you look at, you know, the other players who had had a high number of bootlegs to the left and they're all throwing, you know, two or three yards. I think Aaron Rodgers threw about seven and a half uh, when he did that, but that it's a similar tree there. You know, Mayfield was averaging, you know, nine and a half air yards per target. And th- those were some deep plays off of that. And everyone else, you know, you see the, the Jared Goffs of the world in the, in the McVay scheme. That's, it was like a, a two yard a dot on bootlegs to the left. So it's just a completely different thing. And I think when you add Odell Beckham uh, into there, how they're going to involve him. And I think that's going to be real interesting to see. Cause if, if you're looking at the Kansas city roster, you know, I, they're another team that's really schemed up well on the defensive side of the ball. But if you're looking at the actual talent there, it doesn't completely blow you away. I mean, they have like, you know, guys like Tyron Matthew who uh, allow you to, you know, be a little more versatile and he he can cover some things up because he can play so many positions, but you know, the outside corner, you you kind of worry about uh, a little bit. You You have Chris Jones in the middle of that a defensive line who again is someone who allows you to cover up some other deficiencies in the area because they don't really have you know a great edge rusher uh, who has consistently been able to get pressure uh, from down to down so how that meshes up how uh, Cleveland can you know continue to use that play action game uh, whether they can you know slow some of that down create some of those wide open spaces that they really did well in the second half of last year uh, and I think that that back and forth here is going to be uh, really uh, how what shapes how close uh, this game is going to be. And it's interesting to see how they approach things offensively in that playoff game. They were a little, they were like, they were slow paced, but they were aggressive. I mean, they threw outside of the fourth quarter, they threw the ball on 55% of the first downs. Their season rate was 43%. Um, and Nick Chubb was effective. We, we know that you can run on the chiefs. They've, they've never cared about you running on them. Uh, Cause they're going right. to get you to come out of the run eventually. And that happened in that game. Nick Chubb was averaging five and a, uh, and a half yards per carry. He just had 13 carries in the game. It was the second lowest total that he had over his, you know, 10 games since returning to the lineup after he had that uh, knee injury. Uh, so, I mean, it's gonna be curious to see how the Browns approach it because uh, they were a little aggressive, maybe a little over aggressive in that matchup uh, offensively. Baker still, you know, the, his biggest question is still pressure and the Chiefs are a team that can get pressure uh, on the quarterback. Uh, he was even in that game under pressure. He was two of seven for just 20 yards with an interception. Uh, so as good as the Browns offensive line is, they don't allow a ton of pressures, but, you know, Spags has been able to generate some pressure when he needs to pretty consistently. We saw how he did it to Josh Allen last year in both matchups. Uh, so it's, it, you know, Baker obviously is a guy that is going to be contingent on really He's under the microscope this year, right? Obviously, uh, looking for the contract extension. Uh, the Browns are expected. There's expectations this year now on them. Uh, and he's got to make that next step, right? Like he, we're, the, the Cleveland fan base and the Cleveland organization is counting on really Baker Mayfield 
taking that next foot forward and being a guy that just doesn't limit the offense uh, when we have these, these situations and big games are on the line. So uh, Baker Mayfield is is in for a a big microscope season. Yeah, absolutely. And and you look at just, you know, how much they, you know, have kind of schemed around that and, you know, they were second in designed rollouts and that's really, I think how they, you know, figured out how to, you know, really get him, um, you know, to a comfortable place where he can be on the move, set himself up, get away from some of that pressure in the pocket. Um, you know, they were one of the top teams using motion. I think they they really figured how to shift that well into the offense. Um, well, and like you said, I think one of the interesting things is that how, you know, kind of slow they were. They, they didn't use a lot of no huddle. They didn't even use, you know, a lot of, you know, RPOs to, to set up um, some of that offense. So I think maybe we, we see some of that sprinkled in a little bit just to, you know, change up some of the looks where it's not so reliant on the the Nick Chubb run and then trying to run play action off of that. So I'm interested to see how much they they sprinkle in a little bit with, with some um, added uh, pieces uh, into that offense. And then, like you said, Kansas City, they, they are a team that's going to be able to create pressure, but it, I think it's going to come off uh, the blitz a little bit. They had the sixth highest blitz rate last year, and they were pretty uh, effective there. But uh, I think when you leave a an offense like Cleveland and I think Baker Mayfield is a fairly smart quarterback so if you're getting pressure but also leaving some some open spaces uh from that blitz I think how well the Browns can can find those uh spaces and take advantage of that uh is going to I think be a key to this game and also kind of how they go on offense this entire season so let's let's move on to to some of the other uh interesting games let's uh Let's talk about the Bills and the Steelers, which uh, another game between two playoff teams last year and two quarterbacks that seem to be going in uh, very opposite directions uh, if uh, we're go based off of 2020. I think the interesting thing of what we're going to look for here is whether who is the real Josh Allen, right? I think that's going to be the key for all, all of the Bills. Is he the guy who was in 2020, who was just ripping off these uh, huge plays, or is he going to kind of take a step uh, a little bit back to not where he was in 2019 or even 2018, but are there going to be some more negative uh, plays than, than we saw from what there was in 2020? And I think how... Buffalo has structured their entire offense, how Brian Dable has called the offense. I think that that has put uh, Josh Allen into a lot of advantageous situations. And I think they've limited, I think, the the amount uh, that Josh Allen has really had to shoulder to put him in negative situations where some of that, you know, 2018, 2019 negative plays would creep up. I think really everything they've done um, outside of uh, some personal choices by uh, some of the offensive skill players uh, to put Josh Allen in a position to succeed uh, heading into 2021. Yeah, this is just a game I think is interesting on a number of levels. You know, the one that the, the Josh Allen regression or not, we saw in the postseason, they we saw some of those negative plays creep in in all three games, even the win against the Colts, uh, you know, and the win against the Ravens. We saw some of the negative plays, you know, kind of creep into the the manifest there. Uh, and then we saw a lot of them against the chiefs. Uh, and then we saw a lot of bad coaching when they kicked all those field goals. But uh, this matchup in particular is interesting. You know, the Steelers are, a defense that is going to run their scheme, right? They've always done this, like, and they don't really come out of their shell. They don't really go with like a, with exotic game plans based on their opponent. They kind of just do what they do. They're willing to let Keenan Allen catch, you know, 35 passes against uh, a middle linebacker without, without adjusting. And when you teams played a year ago, it was the bills who counterpunched. 
the first half of that game, the Steelers were just completely in Josh Allen's pocket. Because uh, the one thing as good as Josh Allen was last year, he was still he was really suspect against pressure. Still, he, he, his uh, yards per attempt difference was 2.0 yards from 8.6 to 6.6. It was the 25th largest differential in the league. So if you can get home, we, that's when Josh Allen started to give you a little bit of taste of the old Josh Allen, inaccurate balls, making mistakes. Uh, We obviously know the Steelers can pressure the quarterback. They have led the NFL in sacks four straight years. And in that that game, they pressure on 48% of his dropbacks in the first half of that game. Uh, he was just 10 of 23 for 76 yards in interception under pressure in the entirety for the game was six of 20 uh, for just 3.3 yards or attempt. Then Buffalo kind of recalibrates that after the halftime uh, kind of figure out some things to get the ball out. And he just, he, he shreds them a the second half, 14 of 20, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they, they mitigate the pressure. So do they take what they did in the second half and apply that to some of their game plan? Cause I believe that the Steelers are still going to do what they do. Cause that's what they, that they've always done. And the Steelers have lost some back end play this year. Uh, I think the front seven is still really good uh, for the Steelers. But, you know, obviously, you know, losing Mike, Mike Hilton and replacing these guys, they're, they're starting Cameron Sutton. You know, they just trade for Akella Witherspoon to try to get some bodies. They have Justin Lane. Uh, maybe they try to do some things like old Minka was. But, I mean, I, they haven't really shown us any signs that they're going to do anything cool with Minka like Chiefs do with Tyron. Although he's a player that can. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the Bills take from that regular season meeting that they had a year ago and can apply to this game. Uh, and a lot of people heard me talk about the Steelers on this podcast a lot. I like is this going to be real like the things that they did and kind of were working on in the preseason Ben Roethlisberger being under center Ben Roethlisberger being using play action them using jet motion is because we watched the Steelers offense at the end of last season and it, it's why Randy Fickner got fired because they couldn't counter punch uh they they were they were doing the same thing in a nondescript fashion no creativity uh and you know they this team has really good offensive players and they could be a really good offense. And Ben is a year removed from Tommy John surgery. So maybe he does have one last little kind of spark in the tank, even though he didn't, we're a little bit skeptic. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how much of what the Steelers tipped their hand in the preseason is going to be real. And they use uh, coming out of the box in week one against the team that they're going to have to score points against. Yeah. And it's just something that we've harped on the entire time. And, you know, when you look at what, they did with motion there there was more of that but you know when they when they used motion last year they use it um 20th highest rate but they were quite bad at it there there was nothing built like off screen they were yep it was yeah it was the bad screens uh it was you know jet sweep runs quick jet sweep passes there, there was nothing off of it you you weren't using that to to build anything explosive down the field which we're seeing some of the best you know offenses in, in the league are doing so oh if there's, you know, a little more creativity there, it's not just using motion. I think, you know, it's, you know, using motion is kind of the maimed itself a little bit in, in some of the, uh, the football analysis where it's just like, you know, we talk about motion, but what you're doing with it is, is what really matters. And they're not really sure if, I think if Pittsburgh does use motion a little bit, it, it will create some of those, you know, better plays uh, down the field. They will use that. And I think, I think the, the, the play action thing is it's not just running play action, right? It's uh, just, you know, changing up the looks, which is you know what we've talked about in some of these other offenses so far in this show. When you just look at what Pittsburgh did last year, you know, just 81% of their plays were in shotgun. Um, it's just like, you, you know, what's going on. You can, 
you can only run so many run plays uh, from shotgun, right? You can only change up the looks so much uh, when you just have, you know, a, a statue of a quarterback standing there. I think that's part of what Pittsburgh is doing too. It's not that they're not running play action. It's just that everything looks the same. Um, and when you get to, you know, having a quarterback last year who could only, you know, throw the ball five yards past the line of scrimmage, uh, there's only so many things that a defense has to play against. And that's when we saw a lot of these uh, interceptions or, or drops coming from heavily trafficked areas in the middle of the field. You know, when we went back to the Bills game last year, that um, the the pick six that had been through, right. it was just an easy play for uh, the Bills to sit on uh, because it was just going to be a, a quick stop route that just happens all the time because that's what their offense was. So can they build a little more in structure to, you know, have some of those, you know, plays down the field? When I wrote about Roethlisberger and his deep ball last year, it was just like, it was only plays going to, it was go routes down the outside. And those have such a small chance of being completed. The window of completion uh, is so small. And so it's not that, you know, Roethlisberger doesn't have an arm to get the ball there, but to get the ball there, you know, in uh, such a small area to where those can be completed. If there's more work done over the middle of the field where there's more open area to throw and have those completions, I think that's what we're going to be looking for, for the Steelers. And, and if they can't adjust and and this offense looks like it did in the at, at really any part of last year, but especially toward the end, if they're opening the season and it's going to be looking like that, I think they're in for a lot of trouble. And I think the the, the defense is really going to have to step up. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm willing, like I said, I've been willing to give the Steelers the benefit of the doubt this offseason. I'm still like holding a, a candle that could still be a fun a fun team. There's maybe I just, you know, holding on to my priors of the talent, but I think that this game could be, could end up being high scoring. Uh, more higher scoring than what we saw definitely at the end of last year. So I, I, it's one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think it's probably the, the highlight of, of the early slate that I would think. I am in Arizona, Tennessee is in my pocket. I'm, oh, I don't even know. Like I might just be dialed in on that one only. <laughs> so, I mean, joking, but I think that's a fascinating game because we want to see what especially on offense, these two teams look like, and that's going to matter so much of how well these teams are, are going to play. You know, we haven't seen a lot of, you know, Arizona with their starters uh, in the preseason. Like is, is no, this going to, <laughs> right. Or Tennessee. So is this going to be a, a season where the Cardinals are able to you know, be a little more modern. So, you know, Cliff Kingsbury comes in, he does some, you know, pretty cool things. He's, you know, great at scheming up a run game. Uh, and then the pass game is just so static. Part of that comes from how fast they want to play. They want to get to the, the line quickly. Uh, I wrote about this uh, in the off season too. They were, you know, one of the teams that they were the fastest team uh, in the league and they, they were pushing that pace, especially the past couple of years, the NFL had really slowed down. I got, super fast in the Chip Kelly era and then offenses you know progressively got a little slower uh when you know a lot of the you know the McVay came in he was you know draining the the play clock telling Jared Goff what to expect uh for as long as he could and you know we saw a lot of uh, offenses slow down to that pace so they can get the most out of the play clock and the Cardinals have now been you know the opposite of that they want to push the ball and that's why DeAndre Hopkins will stay to one side of the field but if they can you know use some of that hurry up 
but also then motion, you know, once they get there, I think you can keep the defensive personnel on the field and that's what you're trying to do. Uh, but then you can also get them out of place with some of that motion. So are, are they going to mix some of that stuff in? I think we saw a little bit of that in like some of the first preseason games, and then it, it got a little more static, you know, throughout, but we, we haven't seen, you know, the, the full offense coming out onto the field. So I, I really want to see if there's any adjustment there, but if, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, still lining up on the left side for 98% of his snaps and there's no motion. They, how, how are they going to use, you know, Rondell Moore? Has AJ Green actually found the fountain of youth, which are, you know, reports coming from Cardinals camp uh, over the off season. Uh, you know, looking at what he had last year in Cincinnati, but it, that it just wasn't there. So can they, without, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, is he maybe going to be some of that, that big slot a little bit? Is, is that the secret to finding him? So I'm, I'm really interested to see what this, you know, uh, Cardinals offense is going to look like. And, and the same thing with Tennessee uh, without Arthur Smith, is this still going to be Derrick Henry on first and second down and a super efficient play action offense? Like, is that still a uh, possible uh, without some of the, you know, designs and, and play calls that Arthur Smith has. And if not, I, this defense is not going to be good enough to carry an average offense. So I think this Tennessee uh, offense has to be really good in order for it to compete uh, this year, even though the, the division might be weak and, and we might not have to see a super strong team uh, come out on top of that division, but how these offenses, you know, what these offenses are going to look like compared to last year, I think is a super fascinating um, aspect of this game. Yeah, the, the chicken and egg Arthur Smith kind of, you know, departure, was it just the, the surrounding talent he had or Arthur Smith? Because remember that the one common denominator is Ryan Tannehill uh, and, and Arthur Smith should get some credit, but I don't know if we can give it all to him because the Titans in the start of the 2019 season were terrible with with Marcus Mariota it's not like Arthur Smith turned Marcus Mariota into some kind of some kind of wizard under center so I mean Ryan Tannehill is kind of the guy that unlocked everything and you know obviously the scheme played a a part in that but it's not just like Arthur Smith was waving a wand and making all these playmakers uh, elite players at the start of 2019 season either I think that there's a lot has to do with you know the the talent and then the play of Ryan Tannehill uh, deserves some on his own merit as well so I mean it's interesting to see how that plays out they're a team we've been waiting to regress right like we've been you know the, the titans we keep saying they can't keep getting away with it the aaron paul meme and they keep getting away with it but they face a, a, a good quarterback schedule to start this season and like you kind of like this defense is not going to slow a lot of these teams down uh especially early season I mean, they open the season against kyler and russ they've got games against josh allen and patrick mahomes on the schedule the rams are on the front half of their schedule like this defense is, is not going to slow good quarterback play down it's just not it's not good enough the the upgrades they made uh you know adding Bud Dupree is fine but you I mean they're saying the secondary their additions uh, a team that was 27th in passing EPA last year def- defending the pass you add a 32 year old Janoris Jenkins I mean they add two rookie cornerbacks but they're not going to start yet they're still kind of getting up to speed uh and Caleb Firely and, and Elijah Molden Byard is still a good player but like the, the secondary is just not good enough uh especially against good quarterback play and if they're not gonna be able to get pressure on the quarterback like they didn't last year and maybe Dupree kind of helps that it, you know kind of rise like, than it was where it was from last year it's still not going to be a, an offense a defense that's going to win you any games uh and I go keep going back to the Browns game that they played last year and just like when the Browns just shellac them like to open the game and they script you know Derrick Henry out of the game and the Titans just have to kind of come back and throw a lot I wonder if we're going to see more of that this season uh when they have you know some of these matchups against these elite quarterbacks uh but like you said we're we're putting a lot of faith into into Cliff as well to kind of get over on there um 
but yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting game. I think at number levels, it's, it's going to be a fun game for fantasy. I mean, the, both these secondaries are so bad. The Cardinals, who knew the plan of just signing a bunch of old 30-year-old veterans wasn't going to work out and had repercussions uh, as Dequisinard, you know, goes injured reserve. Malcolm Butler, you know, goes on the retired reserve list. I mean, this secondary, they have, they have two players that played 81 or more coverage snaps in the NFL last year. You know, in, one was Byron Murphy, a second-year player. They're counting on taking a step. You know, Robert Alford hasn't played in two years. Uh, Marco Wilson, it looks like he might draw the start. He was horrendous last at last year at Florida. So we're, we'll see how the adjustment is there. So yeah, this is a game. I mean, definitely circling for points and it's also going to be 90 degrees in Tennessee on Sunday. Uh, and if you look at the history of, you know, recent history, like of games that have been really hot to start the season, week one games over 85 degrees, uh, you know, average 53 and a half points per game. So we should see a lot of defensive, you know, bad defensive players already, getting a little gassed during this game. Uh, we're going to test some conditioning. At least this year they had a full offseason to kind of come in prepared. Uh, but yeah, this one could be a lot of fun. We could see a lot of tuds in this one. Absolutely. And man, yeah, we talk about the, the Tennessee defense, but yeah, looking at this Arizona secondary right now is not fun. But I think one of the other things that potentially could be fun in this game is what this Arizona front seven uh, could really be. And, and this was one that was, you know, mm-hmm. really well schemed uh, last year. And you, you do add, you know, joking about, you know, adding all these 30 year old players, but you add JJ Watt to that. And that is super interesting. You get Chandler Jones back you know Marcus Golden was incredible um from the time he uh returned to Arizona last year when he got traded he was yeah, like, always an underrated player man he's always he, one of those guys he really like- has <laughs> and and the and the contract he got from uh Arizona to stay this offseason was like a bargain compared to you know everything else on the free agent market you know I, I know he does like Arizona quite a bit so that might have played uh, a part there in you know getting a really nice deal uh to stay but yeah he has been great and he, he doesn't have to be you know your number one edge rusher but he's going to you know find a way to you know get to the quarterback so yeah I think you know, from the time he was traded to Arizona last year he was second in pressure rate uh among uh edge rushers last year and I think you you add that now you get Chandler Jones back you have JJ Watt on on the field there I, I think they could do some Your really interesting yeah they can do yeah whether you know uh you know I think Zayvon Collins is going to be a lot of fun whether Isaiah Simmons you know figures out how do you play linebacker uh yet I think we're still probably going to see you know some some up and down swings uh from him as he's still learning to you know actually play a linebacker type role uh but I think you know having a better linebacker there like uh, you know Zayvon Collins uh next to him is going to help so I think that there's a lot of fascinating things they could do uh in the front seven so I think unlike Tennessee um, you know, Arizona might have uh, a defense that can kind of, you know, help carry an offense that's still going to, you know, figure some things out. But hopefully it, Arizona did take uh, the, the time this offseason to, you know, figure out what they can do to uh, to help the offense a little bit because they have so many pieces that we do like. Like uh, uh, an offense with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins should not be average um that just <laughs> just shouldn't be a thing um you know they they did improve along the offensive line uh, a little bit so that should help um hopefully a, a little bit as they you know uh, can you know run the ball in and pass protect uh, a little more uh, you know Rodney Hudson at center I think is going to be uh, a big deal so ho- hopefully that can you know continue uh, as they move forward uh, into this season so oh, let's hit you know maybe one or two games what, what what's another game uh that you're looking for. I got for. one I want to talk to you Yeah, about. let's do it. And it's, uh, you know, we, we know we don't have, you know, pour one out for TA. We don't have on the show anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a little betting angle here. 
there's a, a road dog that I think is an is outright live dog. And it's a team that we've talked about a lot. And I want to talk a little bit about the metrics. I want to pick your brain about one, a couple aspects of this game. And it's uh, the Eagles at the Falcons. Uh, okay. battle, battle of the Birds. Uh, I kind of like the Eagles as just an outright live dog anyways. Obviously, we've talked about them a little bit. I, I think they're underrated. You think they're underrated. Uh, they have a lot more upside than I think people believe they had. The offensive line is healthy. I think they're going to still be an offense that has like spurts where they're they're hitting home runs and then spurts where like they go like three, three and outs in a row on offense. But uh, I look at this matchup and I'm looking at the Falcons side and the Falcons are a team I haven't really been able to figure out, right? This offseason. They're not. I don't think I anyone have. has. I don't have a strong opinion on them uh i'm worried about this interior offensive line and they're an offensive line in general against this the strength of the eagles which is the defensive line i also believe the eagles are just going to be in a better spot we talked about this on the team show we picked when like they're not going to they're going to play a lot more zone this year than they did last year they're not going to put their cornerbacks in such bad spots which is the weakness of their defense that they were a year ago they're gonna do some scheming around that but on the other side of the ball what are we expecting from, from Dean Pease? Is he a guy that is going to do the opposite of that? Is he going to put this subpar secondary that really has had no additions? They really don't have anyone outside of AJ Terrell and they really counting him to take a step forward of his rookie year play. Is he a team that is he a defensive coordinator that might be a situation like we saw from the Eagles a year ago, or like the jets with Greg Williams, where like, he's going to send so much pressure yes and just expose these guys uh because i that that to me you have jalen hurts a guy who's willing to take deep shots and i know the offense is going to kind of readjust and ha- and rein him in a little bit this year uh with nick sirianni uh but uh if you're going to let him throw one-on-one balls to Devontae smith and jalen ray guys who are fast quez watkins uh you know our obligatory quez watkins drop on the, the podcast but like there could be big plays in this game for the Eagles to take advantage of. And the one other thing about the Eagles is if you look at Nick Sirianni and the offense he has been under and Frank Reich, yeah, do they, they incorporate the running backs a lot into the offense in the short passing game, but they play fast Uh, top nine in pace of play, uh, you know, every year. So, I mean, I look at, I think the Eagles could really be a team that, that, that surprises early in the season. I think this matchup is kind of, Taylor made for them to kind of pull off the upset. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where is it even an upset? Like, like you said, I mean, technically by you know the spread it would be, but like you said, no, no one knows what to make of the Falcons. We just like it, there's a lot of pieces that we do like on offense. They do have Arthur Smith, who we just talked about as leaving Tennessee, uh, who can coordinate a pretty good offense but whether that translates now to what you know atlanta wants to do um is going to be is super interesting but yeah like you said i think there were a lot of things you know going back and i did spend a lot of time with the eagles this offseason you know there were a lot of things i think jalen hurts does well and and a lot of things i think can still be unlocked with him because he didn't necessarily get asked to do that or really have, you know, the capability inside the offense uh, of doing it. Uh, and like you said, you know, it was pushing the ball down the field. It was, you know, to the outsides. I wrote when I wrote the piece about, um, you know, what quarterbacks could do for for a year to leap. I, I put a heat map of where Jalen Hurts targets was and all it was, was deep down the sideline. Like that was it. There were, there were like no other throws uh, in that offense, uh, you know, especially when, you know, compared to the rest of the league. So I think there, there is going to be some more open stuff uh, over the middle. I think they'll, they'll get the tight ends uh, involved a little more, you know, Zach Ertz uh, is still there. We'll see if he can, you know, take a step forward. Dallas Goddard is still, you know, a, a quite a good tight end. So I think we'll see 
see a, a little more at 12 there, but I think this is, this is going to be, a, a, you know, an 11 personnel team. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is going to be really fun. The Quest Watkins, there, there is a lot of, of speed here. I think they can, they can mix up a lot of what they can do uh, now, especially when you consider, you know, what they, what they were working with at wide receiver uh, in the last four games that Hertz played last year. So I think it's going to be a better coordinated offense. I think that the talent is fun there. And the, you know, the offensive line is still good. They still have, you know, some really good players there. So we'll see. And I just, yeah. So, but like you said, I think, you know, that Atlanta defense is going to just blitz a ton because they don't have another choice. Right. So, and that it brings you that the high variance of what that defense could be. It's either going to be a, a lot of pressure or probably a lot of big plays. Um, and I think we'll, we'll probably see both in this game. So I think this, this could be a, a high scoring game. Like we talked about, I'm still not sure whether, you know, the, the corners of the Eagles can, can hold up also, even if they'll, they will be playing, you know, a little more zone. I think there is uh Rodney McCoy is, is not going to be playing uh, early in the season. Um, so I think there, there's still, you know, some things left to be desired in that Eagles secondary, even if they will be, you know, slightly we might better. Have a nice little Kyle Pitts coming out party in week I, one. And you look yeah, at these I, linebackers and the Rodney McLeod being out. Yeah, it's it's you know it's super interesting what uh, you know this this linebacker core is going to be for the Eagles because you know the they haven't really cared about that position very often but uh you know they did make a, a few additions there alex singleton's got going to be a guy who can rack up a lot of tackles because he's going to be on the field but not necessarily you know a guy you are going to want in coverage and you know this is what we want to see how are they going to use kyle pitts right how is atlanta right. uh, is he going to be you know a, a more traditional tight end that you can um you know just take advantage of him in line, or are they going to have him split out wide split in, in, in slot more? Um, you know, I think we saw, we saw him make one catch in the preseason and it, and it was fun. Uh, a nice little, you know, a swing pass to the outside, but he was able to break a tackle, turn it, you know, up the corner a, a little bit, but the, we, we haven't seen any of this. So, um, I think there are a lot of, I think we can talk ourselves into any game really because we're just excited to watch football and see what this is going to do. But yeah, how Kyle Pitts is used, I think is absolutely, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things about this game. And if the Eagles don't have anything to match up with him, that could be a huge problem. Yeah. I, I mean, the Falcons in general, like I said, I, I believe that their offense is still going to be pretty pretty, pretty solid. Uh, I would give them, I believe they're going to be above average offense. I'm a, I'm a little concerned about the offensive line here just in this matchup, but we've seen like, you know, yep. Arthur Smith, the play action. So it's going to be beneficial there. You know, the amount of uh, the amount of uh, looks that they can give that way. Uh, so, I mean, there's one way to mitigate it. It's, I mean, it's a game that I definitely am really interested in as well. Like you said, we're, we're, we're maybe we're just really thirsty and we're interested in all these games, but uh, the, that one stands out to me a lot though. Cause you know, I I'm in, I believe the Eagles are undervalued. I've, and I think early in the season from a betting stance, they might have their best value uh, before they kind of, you know, things catch up from that regard. Yeah. Let's uh, let's hit maybe the one more game and let's talk about if we're talking about an, an offensive line that might have some problems against the front seven, what the Miami dolphins are going to do trying to protect. Yeah. Both sides of this, I think are fun. Yeah. Um, but I think especially like this, this Dolphins offensive line, like, I mean, if you've listened to uh, this podcast uh, for, you know, any length of time, I, I'm a very big fan of, of what the Miami Dolphins have done. I uh, am very clear. I've been, you know, highly optimistic on what Tua Tagovailoa can do uh, in year two as his offense is more structured toward his strengths and some of the playmakers uh, they added. But what this Patriots front seven 
might do to this Miami offensive line is Oof. that it might not be you know, safe for television. <laughs> yeah, it's going to, I mean, this is, this is, like I said, I, said, I described it as a, a, just gnarly, like a gnarly defensive front. Uh, and they're going to, you know, have to be early in the season because they're missing, you know, obviously Stephon Gilmer. Maybe he never doesn't return to the Patriots. There's been some rumors that still, might, you know, still maybe something might be cooking down the line there. But, you know, they already shown you got, you know, Josh Uche looks like he's going to take another step forward. It looks like, the, you know, Christian Barmore is going to have a role and like be a contributor on this team, too. So if he's going to this makes it even better if he is right. You have Austin Jackson, you know, potentially out. Has he been declared out by this point? I haven't noticed. I haven't looked, but, you know, I know he did have the, the not the, sure, but I'm also not sure it matters right true fair <laughs> enough fair enough uh yeah you add Judon, they bring vinoy back who's always just been a guy like anytime they bring vinoy or jamie collins i feel like they always just moonlight for a season and come back and then they're good and they get a contract somewhere else and they come back uh you get dante hightower back yeah i i am more like you said i've been telling people especially from a fantasy sense especially with the dolphins i believe in the dolphins and the dolphins taking a step forward i just believe it's going to happen like week six and beyond they have a couple of good matchups coming the next couple of weeks but they, they also play the Buccaneers early in the season uh so I believe it's gonna be like you hit that runway in the middle so remember they have no Will Fuller either this game you know he's right, still yep. gotta serve the suspension so you do have Jalen Waddle but it's still gonna be just what they had on offense last year plus Jalen Waddle <laughs> so we lose another speed uh, speed separator uh with no Will Fuller on the field I think the other side is a great conversation as well because while Mac Jones was excellent outright won this job in the preseason the, the dude was just standing back there picking picking apart defenses he was right. under pressure just nine snaps in the in the preseason the dolphins are going to be dialing up some stuff he did not see in the preseason definitely uh you know they were 11th in pressure rate they blitzed the second highest rate you've talked about this for two years even when you were on the dolphins kind of take this step forward last year as a surprise team just the amount of different looks because that's it's a very similar defense, what the Patriots do. Like they're going to get, they're going to see a lot of different kind of looks and fronts that he did not see in the preseason. So I'm very curious to see Mac Jones's inaugural performance as well. I think that's a great story as well in this game, this game, because uh, these two teams are really chasing Buffalo and who's going to be that team. A lot of people like the Patriots, a lot of people like the Dolphins to be the number two and compete for the wild card uh, while the Bills, you know, are, are the favorite. But uh, this is a big game heads up. Like when these two teams meet heads up, it's going to be big swing games. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian Flores is a, is the the Belichick disciple that mm-hmm. has one worked out and two taken a lot of, you know, what, what works for them. Um, you know, the either rushing three at a high rate to, you know, drop back into coverage, but it, it's not just like, a, it's not a passive rushing three, right. It's, um, you know, having, having a crazy uh, defensive look, you know, uh, I highlighted a, a lot of their, uh, their uh, MOBA fronts that they were doing and they, you know, that that one game against the chargers uh, last year when Justin Herbert, like every third oh, down yeah. with just everyone on the defense in that front seven was just standing up on the defensive line, had no idea who was coming. It was either, you know, a cover zero blitz where everyone was coming or they, you know, rushed four uh, and Herbert had no idea he was rushed and panicked uh, either way. And I think that that's a potential of what we can see with Mac Jones in this game. And I think, well, like you said, it's, it's just anyone on this Miami defense uh, can rush and they've actually, you know, added um, a, uh, some, some good pass rushers, you know, Jalen Phillips will we'll see what he can do uh, in his first year, you uh, I think you know Shaq Lawson was uh, among the 
the highest uh, edge defenders in in pressure rate last year, just because of the position that Miami's defense was able to put him in. Uh, and now he's gone, but they have, you know, the Phillips, they have other guys who can now kind of fill that role. Um, I like yeah, Andrew Van Ginkle a, a lot, the guy who's probably going to play more of the Van Noy role now. Um, he did that a, a little bit last year. I think he plays, uh, you know, some more snaps this year because Van Noy is now gone. So I, I think they just have guys who can create pressure uh, from anywhere. And then you have this secondary with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, uh, uh, barely good safety play. So uh, it's just, yeah, in, in all, in all terms of this, it, it's going to be, you know, a really fun to see. And it's going to be, and I think we, you know, I have a little more confidence in the, the Patriots offensive line than we do the Miami offensive line. So I think there's a, a bit of, you know, where that, that advantage uh, comes. So I think Mac Jones will, will have a, a little bit more help there. Uh, and then, you know, how it, this is another offense we haven't completely seen. Um, the tight ends have been hurt all preseason. Right. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, how how much are they going to be used in week one? Are we going to you know see uh, what they're they're going to be wanting to roll out with? You know we do know this is going to be you know probably a, a more twelve heavy offense uh, than it was uh, in past seasons, uh, just because of you know the the personnel they they did add. Um, uh, can they figure out what the wide receivers are going to be? You know we we've, we've talked about Nelson Aguilar as a, a huge overpay uh at wide receiver but is he you know is that speed element going to add something yeah, that really wasn't there still he yeah. still is, you know even if he doesn't live up to that contract which probably is a long shot in our opinion <laughs> but in terms of just tactical leverage having a guy that could go stretch the field is is relevant <laughs> yeah it just like it was you know, it was Demir Bird last year and like that, just, you can't just really, <laughs> you can't run a functional offense when, you know, Demir Bird is that guy and no offense to Demir Bird. He was a useful, you know, NFL player, but uh, he, he should not be like, I think he was the second most targeted player um, on, or at least on, you know, downfield passes more than 10 yards uh, past the line of scrimmage last year. And that, that's just, you can't do that. So uh, I'm interested to see, you know, Jacoby Myers, who might be, you know, taking over a, a much more in, involved role. I, I'm a big fan of, of Kendrick Bourne. I think he is kind of the perfect role player you can have in some of this, you know, 12 personnel. I get him inside the slot, you know, some of like just the, the this space he's able to create uh, on his own, it's some some the whip routes he ha- has done in, um, you know, he was the, the third down red zone guy uh, in um, in San Francisco. And when you know Kyle Shanahan believes you should be the the third down red zone guy, I mean that that that's something I, I put some stock in. So I'm interested to see how they just you know fit all of these pieces um, as we head into there. So you know, just uh, schematically, I think there there are a lot of you know fun things to watch outside of you know just outside of how we want to see how these young quarterbacks play which i think is going to be you know the, the draw that pulls a lot of people into this game absolutely yeah this is that that's the one that i think is like yeah it could be more of a wild card but yeah between tua and mac the quarterback play in that game who gets the edge uh, is going to be huge all right so uh we've gotten to this point and now it is time to go uh for an hour on jaguars texans no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, is I mean, do you do you think Houston has any shot here? I mean, it's definitely. Remember, the Jaguars were larger dogs last year in Week One and beat the Colts. Um, and one thing I will say about the this Texas team, as bad as we think they're going to be, like with Tyrod Taylor and the indications of what this offense is going to be in the preseason, like they're probably not going to make a lot of mistakes. So, like, if they could run into like a swing turnover, uh, over the past three years, the only first inaugural head coach to win their first game of the year in week one was you know uh matt lafleur 
So, and then rookie, rookie number one overall draft picks have been really bad in terms of their 07 and one, uh, you know, since 2010. Uh, and, and I know none of these coaches and teams face this 2021 Houston Texans team, but they're not as, as large of dogs as the Jaguars were in the spot last year and they ended up winning. So it's not too far fetched. Yeah. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about this game. I, no, I, no, no. The, <laughs> this, this tested our limit of, of how much we could talk ourselves into any game, which we, you know, brought up earlier. Um, that's a corner TV game. I mean, outside of, outside of wanting to watch Lawrence, it's a corner TV. Sure. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about it. Um, I think there, there's probably uh, a better fantasy game than it is uh, a, uh, a we need to pay attention to this game uh, at all. Um, I, I mean, there's just like, I think this this is a week where I think we could just, you know, go down and, and talk about the, every game, but uh, we do not have time uh, to do that. Like, I think Jets Panthers kind of fascinating. What Cincinnati is going to look like on on both sides of the ball, I think, is super interesting. Uh, if they come out of the, the gate strong, that's a very interesting team. Whether they can figure out how to use some of their defensive personnel is going to be interesting. And if they can't, like this could again be one of the worst teams uh, in yeah, the league. Yeah. Uh, plus, you know, how did the Bengals, you know, calibrate for Joe Burr? Are they going to put him in yep. just in empty sets as much as they did last year? Is it going to be a situation where he they don't have help and he's just out there taking you know hits, especially nine months removed from this surgery? That, that I think that interesting uh, element of that game as well uh chargers washington very interesting game as well i mean washington we inherently know their defense is good but when you look at their quarterbacks that they faced last year not very good they, they faced a lot of terrible quarterback play and they're gonna be facing a good quarterback right out of the right out of the gates here so i think that's a very intriguing game as well and then you've got that the new elements of that brandon staley is, is another inaugural coach uh new offense you know for justin herbert a uh, lot of a lot of intriguing games that we didn't even really really get get to in the time limit uh Jameis winston there's a lot going on uh in, in week one here yeah, there's yeah, there's there's too much going on. Like, like we kind of said at the top, it's like the I think the first quarter of week one is just like a complete just uh, jumping headfirst into the deep end with like a fifty pound weight like tied to you and trying to you know figure out and, and navigate and, and watch everything. But uh, that's you know uh, what we get to do. So uh, football is here. Uh, and yeah, we are, uh, excited. So we will, uh, continue to, you know, come to you, uh, weekly with this show. Um, if you have not listened yet, uh, Rich has his fantasy show, uh, that is also going to be on this feed. We also have a, a betting show, uh, with, uh, Ryan McChrystal and Mark DeRosa that is going to be on this feed. So, uh, all of the sharp, uh, football podcasts, uh, that you want are going to be uh, on this feed. So if you subscribe to, uh, this feed in general, you're going to get three different shows, uh, this year. So that is, uh, uh, some of the uh, exciting things we're doing again if you haven't read the worksheet yet uh week one it is up uh rich you did it you got through through one week um you can uh subscribe to uh to get all of rich's fantasy content i'm not sure how you're doing a fantasy season uh without that so um you can find rich on twitter at Ward reeves find me on twitter at dan pizzuta i'd like to thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon Oh, 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 oh,